Boy, it's been a uh, fun week in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you each and every week. Always appreciate you joining us and uh, hopping on the show, whether it's radio or the podcast. And if you're on the podcast, don't forget to hit that rating and review. It's how you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie, by the way. Leave a rating and a review. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. we got a lot of content on the podcast that doesn't always make the radio show. So the big news this week is that the conference, the Big 12 conference, is looking to split the Big 12 into two seven-team divisions starting in 2023. It's going to be an awkward – I mean, this is so college football. So the Big 12 is – going to have gone from 12 teams in the mid-90s to then 10 teams to then 14 teams to eventually back to 12 teams. (laughs) It's just like it's the most college football thing ever because college football is uh, bonkers sometimes. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma are still scheduled and planning to stay until July of 2025. But you've got BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF set to join ahead of the 2023-2024 athletic year. The league would then be at 14 teams for two seasons. And the Big 12 uh, would then shrink to 12 teams in football, playing in two six-team divisions starting in 2025. So for a couple of seasons, they are going to have two seven-team divisions before Oklahoma and Texas leave for the SEC. Uh, now, that's the way to do it, by the way. You can't have 14 teams. You know, there's no more round robin. Those days are over. The Big 12 is going to stay at nine league games, by the way. I think that's a smart play for the Big 12. It's the right move as well. I mean, you know, let the SEC and the media cover up for the fact that they don't play, uh, you know, a nine-game conference schedule because, well, it's the big, bad, mighty SEC. What do you expect them to do? It's such a difficult league. They can only play eight games. So neither here nor there. Uh, the Big 12 is going to be splitting into two seven-team divisions for a couple of years. How do you do it? What do you do? Well, first off, the first thing you do is you go either north, south, east, west. doesn't really matter how you do it. doesn't really matter how you break it up. But that's how it needs to be done. Now, I'm going – now, Derek Duke wrote about this, by the way, on the website. Derek Duke uh, wrote about this, and he did a good job breaking it down north-south. He had in the north BYU, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia. In the south, he had Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas, Houston, and UCF. I'm not against it, but I don't like having a division that goes from Provo, Utah to Morgantown, West Virginia. I'm just not a proponent of that. So I've got a different angle here. I want to go east-west. And the other thing that, uh, you know, Derek had in his is he had Texas and Oklahoma in the same division. My understanding is that the Big 12 wants to split Oklahoma and Texas in different divisions. That way, when they leave, they can keep those divisions at six teams each. Because if they put them both in one division and then Oklahoma and Texas leave – then someone's got to leave the other division to make it two six-team divisions. You see what I'm saying here? That's that's how it's um, got to work. 
So I broke them up. I did an East-West Big 12 for a couple of years. And you can then shift it to North-South after that if you want. But I like this East-West, and it splits Oklahoma and Texas, which I believe the Big 12 wants to do. And here's what my – we'll start in the East, all right? West Virginia, UCF, Cincinnati. And I believe those teams are kind of like a pod – from the standpoint of, you know, West Virginia, Cincinnati know each other well from the Big East. And UCF was never in the Big East like USF was. But, you know, there are three teams in the Eastern time zone. And I think that they just kind of fit together in terms of this league and trying to, you know, pair teams and match teams. So I've got West Virginia, UCF, and Cincinnati in the East. And then I've got, and by the way, the other thing that I did here is I've got two new teams in each division, which I think is fair. So that way you've got five former Big 12 teams or five current Big 12 teams, two new teams in each division. Then I've got also in the East with West Virginia, UCF, and Cincinnati. Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Now you might say that's a weird pairing. Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's leaving. All right. I'm sorry if Oklahoma doesn't like to be in the Eastern Division, but guess what? You got a foot out the door. You screwed up this whole league. And I'm not saying that, you know, before Oklahoma fans freak out here, just be honest. The way this went down is not cool. It's okay. I understand why you're leaving. I do. I've said it many times on this show, but I'm certainly not catering to you uh, as I'm trying to build out divisions for a world without you, which is a world that you wanted, not us. So the East, West Virginia, UCF, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and then Oklahoma. I think the Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State is a natural old Big A. You know, you got rivalries there and football and basketball, Farmageddon and, you know, Sunflower Showdown, everything else. So that that trio, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, makes sense to me because it's kind of its own trio. And then West Virginia, UCF, and Cincinnati – also kind of its own little uh, deal as well. So that that makes sense from my perspective in the East. And then the West, BYU, Texas Tech, Houston, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas. It's your old Southwest Conference schools. All the Texas schools are in the Western Division. I think that that makes sense. You've got Oklahoma and Texas split. I've got Texas here in the West uh, Division here for this Big 12 theoretical conversation. And then when they leave, you have four Texas schools in BYU, TCU, Houston, and Tech. Four schools, by the way, from the old Southwest Conference. And then, you know, you've got Oklahoma State, which obviously knows all these teams very well. I believe they're – when you think about natural fits – from a culture perspective, Oklahoma State is much more in line to me with the Texas Tech, Houston, BYU, TCU than they are with, you know, West Virginia, UCF, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. I know that, you know, some will say, well, the old Big Eight, Oklahoma State, you know, we want them in the division with Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. I thought about that. I really did. I tried to figure out if there was a way to kind of make that work well, and I just couldn't. So, that's the only outlier I don't love, but I do think it's natural. I mean, you've got Oklahoma State, uh, one of four teams in this Western division, once Texas leaves. 
that's going to be an old Big 12 school. Tech, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State. And then you're going to bring into that division Houston, Natural Fit, Texas School, old Southwest Conference team, and BYU, which, you know, BYU's got to be in the West. I, I mean, you're out in Provo, Utah. You got to put them in that side of the bracket, in that side of the conference. So that's how I'm breaking it down. I'll give this down one more time. In the West, BYU, Texas Tech, Houston, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, and then for two years, Texas. And then in the East, West Virginia, UCF, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma. That's how I would like to see this thing break down for a couple of years. And I hope I hope the Big 12 does it, you know? I hope they don't do the old Big 10, what was it, legends and leaders? How stupid was that from the Big 10? I mean, it, has there ever been a worse idea than the Big 10 trying to go legends and leaders when no one had any idea who was who and who was part of what, and it meant nothing to anybody. Even the most diehard Big Ten fan was probably like, I can't keep track of this. I don't know what's what. And the other thing I, I don't want to do, I don't want to worry about trying to make them even divisions. I, I Because I know people are going to say, well, you don't want to end up with the Big Ten where you've got a loaded East and a weak West. Here's the difference to me. When the Big 12 loses Oklahoma and Texas, okay, I mean, Oklahoma State's probably the best team in the league in terms of history with where they are right now, if you combine those things, right? But none of these teams are traditional blue bloods. So it's not like you're saying, well, no matter what, Oklahoma State's always going to be good. Is Oklahoma State always going to be good after Mike Gundy retires? I I can't promise that. Is Cincinnati always going to be good? You know, I I don't know. As long as Luke Fickle's there, I think so. Is Iowa State always going to be a solid program? I mean, as long as Matt Campbell's there, I think so. But that's not forever. Nothing is. So I don't think that you want to consider conferences based on what is competitive, especially when there's really no true blue blood, like in Ohio State, right, or Michigan, where you say, well, I mean, barring something unforeseen, they're always going to be a very solid team, unless they royally screw it up, which Michigan has, but is is unlikely. This Big 12 is going to be wild. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so up for grabs. And that's why, I, especially with these teams and this league where it's going, I don't think you want to go down that road. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Great to be with you here as we roll through another uh, another day. Um Matthew Postens is going to join us and talk some Big 12 basketball. He's next on the show. Let's now dive into the Big 12 basketball season. Matthew Postens is joining us on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. Always great to welcome him on during basketball season. Uh, Matthew, let's just look at this league right now. Latest bracketology, eight Big 12 teams making the dance. I... You know, I think we talked two or three weeks ago about how the Big 12, maybe there was an obvious top tier and second tier, and it wasn't possibly as deep. I mean, you got K-State, you know, shocking teams beating Texas Tech, and I just, you can't predict this thing. Uh, It's it's unbelievable, Matthew. What do you you make of it, having followed this league for as long as you have? Yeah, it's. It's tight. I mean, I, I still think, you know, at the end of the day that Kansas and Baylor are still the two best teams in the conference, but I think Texas Tech has proven that 
you know, they have the, the quality and the depth to play along with them. The questions I had about Tech were really about their offense more than their defense. And I think the month that Tarrant Shannon was away with his injury actually helped them because players like Bryson Williams and Adonis Arms and Clarence Nadolny got more playing time and got more assertive on the offensive end. And I think that's going to make them a, a harder team to deal with in this conference overall. But you know, after that Tech-Iowa State game earlier in the week, I went back and looked at the defensive efficiency rating for the 10 teams in the conference. Everybody was in the top 42. Kansas was the lowest-ranked team in defensive efficiency, and they were 42. And they're a pretty darn good defensive team. So this is what they're doing right now, especially on the defensive end of the basketball. It's part of the reason why you're seeing Kansas State win two games in a row. It's part of the reason why TCU is a bubble team for the tournament. Everybody in this conference is playing great defense, and defense can be an equalizer when you're playing a great offensive team like a Kansas or a Baylor. Now, speaking of a team you just mentioned there, uh, Texas Tech and what they're doing and, and how impressive it's been with uh, Mark Adams. Uh, there was a viral moment this week, Jeff Goodman, uh, who's now with Stadium, saying that it's Lubbock, it's the worst job in the Big 12. You wrote a piece, first off, about Mark Adams, that was outstanding. Uh, it's on the website right now if you go to the Texas Tech page about how Mark Adams was the right guy for this job at the right time. But Tech feels like it hasn't really missed a beat since Chris Beard left. And do you think that is sustainable under Mark Adams? Or are you saying, or you have agreement with Jeff Goodman, which is, eh, I don't know about this? No, I, I think it's sustainable. And I think the question that, that really leapt to my mind when I looked at his bio after he got the job in April was, why hasn't this guy gotten a Division One job again before now? He was a Division One coach with UT Pan American for about five years. They had a winning season. They had a 500 season. He didn't have a lot of success there, but I've seen good quality head coaches get jobs on a lesser resume, second and third chances in this business. It was really odd to me that he had such a gap between that job at UTPA and the job at Texas Tech. But, you know, him being the right guy for this job, it really has to do with his junior college experience, and I kind of dove into that as a piece. He spent a decade at Howard College and won a national championship. He went to the national tournament three or four times. And at the junior college level, you turn over eight, nine, ten players a year. You, sometimes you don't know who your roster is going to be until everybody enrolls in August. That's just kind of the nature of junior college. So when you think about the transfer portal and all the turnover that Texas Tech had, they took in nine new players there probably wasn't anybody in the conference who was better prepared for putting a team together like that than Mark Adams. And I think Kirby Hokett might have taken that into account when he elevated Adams to the job in April, along with his Texas Tech ties. He doesn't want to leave. Just like Texas was apparently Chris Beard's dream job, Texas Tech is Mark Adams' dream job. I think he's shown he can recruit. And I think, you know, yes, he's 65. It's probably not a job he's going to have for a decade and a half. But I think for the next three to five years, I think he absolutely can sustain what he's doing there. And then, I mean, what we've seen work, uh, big programs and small programs, right, whether it's Duke and, and Coach K and, you know, how that transition uh, went mm -hmm. to whoever it might be. I mean, handing off the reins and grooming that guy. Heck, we saw it in football with uh, Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops. It seems to be a playbook that works pretty well, and hopefully Tech has that in mind going forward uh, too. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, you know, I think Coach K has picked a, a really good coach in John Shire to be his uh, successor. And, you know, if you do it the right way, if you have a, a longtime assistant that uh, is that guy that you think can be that guy, there's a way to do that, you know. And, uh, you know, Mark, Mark Adams has so much love for Texas Tech that I think, you know, when the time comes, I think he, 
he's I doubt he's planning for it right now because they're in the midst of the season, but I think he's one of those guys that's going to think mindfully about that because he wants to set Texas Tech up for success after he inevitably wants to retire and move on. Mm-hmm. Matthew Postens is uh, joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo talking Big 12 hoops. So, Matthew, when you look at uh, this week, and, you know, what happened around the league. What's what's the biggest takeaway? I mean, Baylor's obviously struggled here a little bit as of late. Are you concerned by them, or is there something else that's really sticking out to you? Um, you know, I'm not too concerned about Baylor, uh, honestly. I, they play such good defense. Uh, they're going to have nights like they had against Texas Tech. I, I think the big takeaway for me is just kind of what we talked about earlier, the defense. It, the defense is such – is really just incredible in this conference. And it's not like, um, you know, got, you know, you know, Fran Fraschilla likes to call the big 12 a rock fight. And it really has been a rock fight this year, but um, everybody's playing such quality man to man defense. So it's actually forcing teams to elevate their skill level offensively. And I think you're going to continue to see that as we go through the conference season, you know, you know, Iowa state had a, had a bad offensive night against Texas Tech, and Texas Tech had something to do with that. But I think, you know, Texas is playing really good defense. But I think Kansas State elevated their game a little bit uh, against Texas and winning that game earlier this week. And going back to their game last Saturday with Texas Tech, which was their first conference win, you know, Bruce Weber said they're playing defense so well at Texas Tech. I'm actually going to have to think about doing some new things within my offense to counter that. So I think what's starting to happen now is, everybody's getting used to the high level of defense in this conference, that you're going to start seeing teams offensively do different things to kind of counter that. They're still going to do the things they do well, but you're going to see some interesting adjustments offensively that I think are going to be really fun to watch the next few weeks because if you watch that Tech-Iowa State game earlier this week, nobody had daylight to take a shot. I mean, it was just stifling 40 minutes of great man-to-man defense with with Mark Adams sprinkling in a little zone just to throw things off a little bit. Do you think, uh, I mean, Iowa State was in the top 15. They likely won't be uh, next week. But uh, what do you think in terms of the Cyclones? I mean, they, they got into the top 15. They're now 2-4 and four in league play. But I look at it, too, and I say, okay, that Kansas game, if that goaltending thing goes a different way, they're 3-3, three and three, and this isn't really a conversation. Uh, what do you make of the Cyclones and where they're at right now? Yeah, I mean it's a hard two and four. I yeah. mean it's not a it's not a soft two and four. It's a hard two and four for them. They had a really difficult schedule to start with. You know, I think the the big issue for them over the next month and a half, you know, depending upon how things go, is they they've got to get more consistency on the offensive end outside of Isaiah Brockington. Teams are really starting to focus on him, and you can see this the last couple of games. Um, he's scoring fewer points because teams are throwing more at him defensively. So that you know, boils down to guys like Gabe Kalsher, um, Tyrese Hunter, Caleb Grill, Tristan Inaruna, Aljaz Kuntz, you know, these other guys who have, in spots, played well offensively. I mean, Gabe Kalsher scored 30 points in a game earlier this year. So they have capable offensive players. What they need are two or three more guys that can be consistent offensively. You know, the kind of game Caleb Grill had against Texas Tech, I think he had 17 points in that game. They need more of that from him. Not necessarily 17 points, but you know, give me eight, ten a game. You know, can I get eight or ten a game from a guy like Tristan and Aruna? Can I get some of these guys, you know, closer to that ceiling of scoring 10 or 11 points a game in conference play? If you can put guys 
around Brockington that can be more consistent offensively, that's going to help him because it's going to release him from some of this stifling, almost double-teaming he's getting driving to the basket right now. Here's a question for you. Right now, Matthew, who is the worst team in the Big 12 with a minute left? God, the worst team. Good Lord. <laughs> I, I almost don't even want to say worst. I want to say least best. That's fine. I mean, it's it's not a it's not there's nobody in this conference that's bad. Everybody yeah. has a winning record. Don't yeah, filibuster. Don't, I got thirty seconds. Don't yeah. filibuster. Who is it? I I I'd have to say probably Kansas State, but okay. I mean it's Kansas State, TCU, and Oklahoma State. All three of those teams right there bunched at the bottom. But, I mean, if things break a different way from one of them, they could easily be in that middle tier. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's so close in this conference, which is the really fun part of it, honestly. It is. It is. He is uh, Matthew Poston's doing great work on the site and uh, always great to have him on the show each and every week as we go through basketball season. Matthew, great to have you on, man. Thank you for being here as always, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Pete. He's Matthew Poston's. Good to have him on. And we appreciate you guys. Hey, uh, take 30 seconds out, maybe a minute. Leave a rating and a review on this show. It helps us tremendously on iTunes. It helps us continue to beat CBS and uh, ESPN when it comes to Big 12 podcasts. So it's because of you guys that that's happening. Those ratings and reviews, they help tremendously. That's why I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave me a rating and a review. And send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Can't thank you guys enough. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon here on the show. Take care.